I'm Matt Swain, and you're listening to the Reimagining Communications podcast, where we discuss the opportunities and challenges facing companies on the road to optimizing their communications for the future. Today, I'm joined by Debbie McGlaw, Head of Product Management for Broadridge Customer Communications. Debbie, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Matt. Certainly. So, Debbie, you've spent more than 20 years with this organization. You've held roles from client services to technical sales, pricing, product strategy, and account management for e-solutions, as well as product management. How has the communications market evolved in that time? Yeah, thanks. That's a great question and, and kind of vision. We've seen a lot of changes. So if you think back 20 years ago, the Internet was still very much in its infancy. And so you can look at one aspect and go, wow, people just were like, what does it mean to put documents online, bills, statements? And that was kind of its own aspect. And then you also saw things like, okay, print, get print out the door. Yes, and we're aligned with the post office and we're going to do all these things. And very much operational on one side, very much new evolving strategy. So when you look back that far, these things weren't really very well aligned. They were really two separate initiatives in terms of what the market really looked like back then. So it's changed quite dramatically, and we can certainly talk about some specifics here. E-Solutions, 15 years ago, you were at a point where companies were already having that vision of all papers going away, this is the future, probably really aggressive e-adoption expectations. And here we are today having made inroads, but not, not nearly where companies thought they would be 15 years ago. How do you react to that? I mean, is part of you saying, I told you so, or I wish you had engaged with us, or is there something else going on? Well, it's funny. Uh, those of us that were around, you know, in, I'll say 2000, where it was really starting off in the billing side of the market, mm -hmm. what was electronic bill presentment and payment markets, uh, was really just just starting. Like, and it was just all these companies came in and we're going to take off in the market and people we never know, all these dot-com this, dot-com that came out of left field and old companies trying to get in and big companies like Microsoft trying to get in and everybody going, paper's going away. Wow, we better do something about it right now. And, you know, we had all these hockey stick charts. Right. And the hockey stick charts were like, by 2005, you're going to start selling some printers. They're going to be out of jobs downstairs. Yeah. And, oh, you're in the back room working on this, you know, electronic back then, right, before digital became a different world. And people going, why are you doing that? You're taking my job away. I'm not going to help you. And so you kind of even conflict within your own companies. And our customers, same thing, going, well, one group's trying to take away from the other. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those of us that were back then, we look at it and go, wow, we believed it. Like, that was our job. We believed, like, we could make a change and we could make a difference and make it happen fast. And then we look back and go, wow, okay, advance five years. So five years later, hockey stick projections were still there, but they were just pushed out. And a lot of that has kind of continued. People obviously change their projections, work with a lot of research firms to kind of collect data over, say, a 10, 15-year period. You know, some of the data that you've provided to us, mm -hmm. others have as well, showed a much slower progression when you really look at the actuals. And we've seen certain companies and, and markets take off dramatically. Credit card stands out, obviously. They go bonkers, so to speak, right. in terms of their adoption rates. But when you look at all the rest of the industries, you have some where it's asset side, you know, statement kind of based. They're still in single digits. You get some of the billing markets. They're maybe 20%, you know, 30% if you're lucky in certain areas. So we kind of look back and, and say, hey, it's changed a lot. 
And at one point we thought, hey, it's demographics. We just, you know, kind of wait out some of the older people, get the younger generation in. We, you know, cater to the younger people, get the features they need. And then you started realizing with the data, hey, it's not really. It's probably the people in the middle, like, the, you know, more like the 30 to 50-year-olds mm-hmm. who actually have the money to pay the bills, who have investments, things like that, where they're willing to adapt to new technology as well. And so you start to see it's really not a demographic issue. It's not even always a market issue. It's a mixture of all of that. And so how do our products and services help our customers across all that continuum? That's really what became our challenge. So if you look at the last five to 10 years, that's what we've been focused on. Yeah. And have the challenges that the clients are facing evolved? Certainly from a a technology perspective and from a customer expectation perspective, I would would guess that you're seeing a lot of change. But from the the fundamental client desire to move to paperless, to remove print and postage, has that changed? Is there a different fundamental reason why they want to make the push? So, yes. I mean, when we first looked at it, you had kind of the groups that were doing more of the print and postal optimization. And it was, hey, save me the cost. Postage Mm -hmm. is rising. How do I offset it? It was very both operational and financial focus. And we spent a lot of time, actually, especially within our company, investing in those areas, creating, you know, super value added services to make those cost reductions, make it more efficient for people. And so that was a big piece. But then we kind of looked at the other side and, you know, the customers were going, hey, but I'm trying to get people over to the other side. I'm investing here still in print and postal, right, and trying to get cost savings. But I got to do this other piece. How do I get there? And you started to see that be a marketing challenge. And sometimes you worked with finance people who owned, you know, the statement. You worked with customer service people who maybe owned the marketing or the statement itself. It was a mixture. And what we started to see is, the need to actually approach those in different ways, but also bring them together. So in the old days, they're truly separate. Then along came the whole industry change, I don't know, roughly 10 plus years ago, mm-hmm. customer communications management or integrated customer communications. There are many you know, different forms of that that evolved over time. So we spent a lot of time going, you're right. A single approach to this really makes big sense because our customers still need optimization. They still need cost reduction. But now they actually are trying to solve a slightly different problem, which is how to communicate with their customers. And so we saw a big shift in that and the tool sets that we could actually bring and give to our clients. So whether they were delivering print versus, you know, digital didn't matter. It was actually how you created the best communication experience. And when you fast forward to maybe current state, it's very similar, except for now the focus isn't just on customer communications. It's the customer experience and not so much the entire journey, but how do I actually interact with these customer communications? How do I get you when you receive your statement or your bill? How do I get you to actually do something and respond back to me mm-hmm. with it? Whether it's I need you to read it, write a check and pay a bill, whether I need you to go online, you know, and actually click on, hey, I want to look at additional investments within my plan whatever it is, or it's just looking up additional services in general, like upsell, all those kind of things that are there. Maybe it's customer service things, but how do I actually get you to engage regardless of the channel? Obviously, digital has a little bit more instantaneous response. So there's different things that we do there, but that's essentially how I look at the morphing in terms of separate print digital channels, you know, or electronic again, way back then, then you morph into the customer communication and now we're into customer experience. So how do you take 
everything that you just went through with a product hat on and figure out how to best deliver for today's clients' needs? Yeah, so it's a balance of, you know, what do they need today? Customer experience. So what tool sets can we do? How does that help them with their communications? Because that's what we are. We're a company who's going to help our customers with their communications. And then what's the next step? So if we just were focused on that today, mm-hmm. well, if we don't do something different, we're still going to be focused on that a year from now or two years from now. So we also start to go, okay, what is everything else happening in the market around how people engage with their customers? And so we start looking at things that might be new technologies, for example, artificial intelligence, or, hey, how do we integrate with chat services? Mm -hmm. Maybe that doesn't always make sense for our customers to go, hey, Broadridge and chat services, but, you know, if we're actually archiving all of their documents and we're presenting them back to their, you know, call center and we're presenting to the consumers, well, why not? So we try to take that combination of current state activities and how we can actually provide the best services to do that, as well as what's the next generation that's going to be coming. Even if it's only two years ahead or maybe it's five years ahead and we're very visionary and it's not quite ready yet, we've got to take all of those stages into place so we can deliver something great for our customers. And how do you balance the prioritization schedule there? Because you have products that you need to develop to deliver on clients' needs today but at the same time, you know you have clients that are that are craving that that next experience. Yeah, always a hot topic when it yeah. comes to product management is the prioritization. It's it's a balance, and I think we've done a couple things. We've had some very specific areas around strategic initiatives. So in Postal, hey, our clients are really focused in these areas. Let's allocate a certain amount that's always going to be focused in that area. Let's not disrupt that. At the same time, we look at you know, the digital side. And again, these all talk together and interact together, but there's certain things you can do unique to each of these channels. And in digital, what we've done within Broadridge is really create the center of excellence with the digital focus that allows them to develop ahead of what the needs are for the customer communications group to take advantage of those so that they're isolated, kind of working a little bit ahead of us. Mm -hmm. And then we can take those products and, and platforms really and applications bring them into our product portfolio and execute on them for our clients. So we keep pace with what we're doing now, but we also have this team that's building ahead of us, and then we can incorporate it when it's time and ready to actually execute those and deliver them to our clients. So it's a really nice balance that we've found in order to actually continue to do what you're saying, which is balance the needs between current state and future and and meet our customers' needs. That's an important approach distinction because you have you have a design where you're focused on delivering on today's needs first and you have a separate center of excellence that's focusing on the next great thing that gives you that head start and gives you that opportunity to then roll that right into a future product. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a great approach. Can you give some examples generically on where clients are pushing the envelope in communications? Yeah, so we have some initiatives where we're looking at transforming the way we store our data, the way that data actually can be leveraged and called upon. And so we have, you know, use cases with some of our clients that are, hey, I get you're processing all this data and I need to solve a problem that might be, for example, the quality assurance process. Mm -hmm. And, you, you know, we sit there at first, we're going, 
quality assurance. Oh, that's interesting. How do I help you with quality assurance? It's, oh, well, I produce all this data and I send it to you and I sort of audit it myself and then I let release it so you can print or put it out for digital distribution. But it's all the same data. So how do I actually create some rules to know that what we sent you actually had both the right rules in it and created the right output or the create the right customer communication in the end, that statement or document. And that was an interesting application. It's, hey, there's some business rules that say we can apply some logic from, a, you know, not so much machine learning, but true logic in there that can actually interrogate the data as it's coming through and go, yes, it's passed these checks or no, it hasn't. So that when we're looking at Matt Swain's statement, for example, mm -hmm. as part of the rules, it looked at it and said, yes, I expected these fields here or no, it failed a check in this particular area for a business role. So there's some use cases like that that we just, I think we're a little surprised that came out of some yeah. of our discussions with the clients. And then there's been some things that are, you know, really like, hey, let's actually go pilot something that's really new. So imagine if you were, whether you were talking about a, a credit card customer of ours or maybe a, a telecom mobile, co you know, company of ours, and they said, chat, a chat function comes up and maybe it's driven off the website, not just the phone. And someone types in and says, hey, tell me the last time I bought an iPhone. Do, 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 hey. Right? Hey, you purchased an iPhone 7 model da, 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 on such and such date and it cost you this much. Right. And imagine you can do the same thing if you're looking at credit card information or you're looking at mutual funds, you're looking at your retirement, your, you know, your 401k investment. Hey, when's the last time that I invested in my daughter's 529 plan? Mm -hmm. Oh, you invested $20,000 on da-da-da-da-da date kind of thing. Lucky girl. Right? She's, <laughs> she's going to go to Harvard, I think, <laughs> on 20000 Good luck. But you basically kind of go through those scenarios and you say, all right, well, what was my return? How much did I invest total versus what's in there? And when you're looking at an archive that's there, instead of it just being a regulatory archive, meeting compliance, check the box, what if it's actually doing something intelligent for you mm -hmm. and it's doing something intelligent for your customers? So when we talk about chats or interrogating the data, making information intelligent, we're talking about that as part of our future state transformation. Another topic that we've been seeing a lot of discussions on is this whole shift to push communications. And there's a consumer desire to receive the communication. We do so much testing where the consumer recipient of name your company says, I don't want an email that tells me to come back to your website and log in and see the experience. Just send me what you want to communicate. But then when we talk to businesses, they're almost reticent to make that shift because it's, I want the eyeballs on my website or it's a privacy or security or compliance concern that says we could never push that data out. How are you helping solve for the push side of this, but also how are you addressing the client concern when we know that there's a consumer desire to make that shift? You know, it's an interesting question because it, it goes up back actually a long way. When we first launched some of our electronic products way back in the day, you know, we did some consumer focus research and said, hey, 
how would you like to get this information? And people said, well, isn't email kind of the version of my paper, you know, where I get my postal mail, like my mailbox, inbox, mailbox. And they're like, why can't you just push it to me? And we kept coming out of it in the early 2000s with data that said consumers want to have the data pushed to them, yeah. just like it gets mailed and dropped off in their in their mailbox. And so as part of that, we looked at delivering a secure email solution. So mm -hmm. we did that in the early 2000s, around 2002, launched with some of our customers. You may have even heard us talk about some of those out in the market in the past. We've had a few of those great success, good consumer positive experiences, they were a little slower to adopt on our client side. Kind of same thing you said, you know, whether it be concerns, how well is it going to be adopted by their customers? And you'd get some clients who are like, I'm all about the customer experience. I'm going to get every eyeball I can to go, you know, digital, mm -hmm. so to speak. And then you had the other side, which is, sounds great, but no. Not sending my dog. How do you know it's secure? Now, you can imagine in the early 2000s, even mid-2000s, people going, well, did you share a public and private key? No, we don't actually need to. The security right. works this way. You'd start to go through a variety of different challenges that we would have around security. Things obviously morphed in terms of technology. There's been less concerns about it from a security perspective. Mm -hmm. But it's, do I want to send that data? Do I have the right to send it? How do I know it's not going to be hacked, that I get it to the right person. There's a variety of different ways to solve those problems. One of the things that we've been looking at right now and, and some of the services that we'll be launching this year are tied to a combination of pushing a dynamic digital experience where you can push more than just the content. And so you can actually create something that is very engaging as if they were at your website, yep. but you've actually pushed it to them. So that's something we're really excited about launching this year in our customer base. Some customers have actually seen us demo this from our essentially our prototype that we have out. So that's a really nice bridge for us that's coming is, again, the mixture of consumers really want it sent to them because let's face it, nobody wants to go log into 20 websites and go find their yeah. information. And, you know, consolidation has been great, hasn't always taken off yet, both from our client side, not so much the maybe the consumer end. And this is a great way to kind of build the bridge between the two. When you get the client pushback of how do you secure my data, what is the shorthand response to get them comfortable with further exploring this approach? <laughs> That's a good question. Majority of the time, I would say that we go through more of a security overview mm -hmm. for our clients to understand how the technology essentially gets executed. But I think once we go through that, and you kind of show, here's what it looks like, here's how it works, here's how it's prevented from being hacked, here's how I actually secure the single sign-on approach. You actually get through it pretty quickly when it comes to that. With your product management hat on, where do you see this market evolving over the next five to 10 years? Oh, good question, right? It's something that we look at from our perspective is our role is to continue to satisfy customer needs with products that we're going to induce, to look ahead to what the market is bringing to the table, where the competition is going, both for us and our customers' competition, where technology is going to evolve. How does that actually then help us with that customer communication strategy? And, you know, we also look at things like 
how do we give a more holistic view to our customers across Broadridge, right? Not just customer communications, but all the other divisions that we might be touching with our clients. Mm -hmm. And so it's that real view of more what I'll call an integrated approach. How do I work with my colleagues in the other business units so that we provide the best experience for Broadridge customers holistically, where customer communications is one piece of that and satisfying the consumer experience regardless of the different touch points that we have and satisfying our customers across multiple lines of business. We're seeing that as actually a very big growth area, I would say, right now for how we satisfy our customers is they may have five lines of business. So we do that both on our end and the customer end to try to create our future set of products. So I look at our five to 10-year challenge as continuing to evolve all the things you and I previously talked about today, but also expanding that with my colleagues on the other divisions. Excellent. Well, Debbie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. This has been great. Certainly. I'm Matt Swain, and you've been listening to the Reimagining Communications podcast. If you like this episode and think someone else would too, please share it, leave a review, and don't forget to subscribe. To learn more about Broadridge, our insights, and our innovations, visit broadridge.com or find us on Twitter and LinkedIn.